Hello, I'm Dr. Luis Ostrowski, Chair of the Guidelines Committee for the Infectious Diseases Society of America. I would like to welcome you to IDSA's Clinical Guidelines Podcast Series, where we will regularly keep you up to date on new guidelines published by IDSA. Leading this program is Dr. Neil Skolnick, who's a professor of family and community medicine at Temple University School of Medicine and the associate director of the Family Medicine Residency Program at Abington Memorial Hospital. Welcome, Dr. Skolnick. Thank you. Today, we're going to review the highlights of the Clinical Practice Guideline on Implementing an Antibiotic Stewardship Program, Guidelines by the Infectious Disease Society of America and the Society for Healthcare Epidemiology of America. The Merriam-Webster's Dictionary defines to be a steward as the careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. Antibiotic stewardship, as defined by the IDSA, and the Society for Healthcare Epidemiology of America and the Pediatric Infectious Disease Society is a coordinated set of interventions designed to improve and measure the appropriate use of antibiotic agents by promoting the selection of the optimal drug regimen, including dosing, duration of therapy, and the route of administration. The benefits of such a stewardship program include improved patient outcomes, the reduction of adverse events, including Clostridium difficile infections, and improvement in rates of antibiotic susceptibilities to targeted antibiotics, as well as optimization of resource utilization. Joining us today are two of the chairs of the committee, Dr. Tamar Barlam and Dr. Sarah Cosgrove. Dr. Tamar Barlam is an associate professor of medicine in this section of infectious diseases Boston University School of Medicine in Boston, Massachusetts. Dr. Sarah Cosgrove is an associate professor in the Division of Infectious Diseases at John Hopkins University School of Medicine in Baltimore, Maryland. Let's start with an overview of the intent of the guidelines, and then we'll get down to specifics. Tamar, what is the intent of the guidelines, and what is an antibiotic stewardship program? The guideline was developed to provide a uh, comprehensive menu of interventions that a stewardship program could use um, to institute their program based on really the local resources, needs, expertise, etc. Um, so the stewardship program should be ideally led by an infectious disease physician uh, with a pharmacist who also is trained in infectious disease. Um, but if that is not available or um, both are not available, the important thing is to have people who really have a good knowledge of antibiotics and the core competencies um, expected for a program. That's great. So really, these are big ideas that are carried out on, on a local level uh, for the improvement of, uh, of patients and, and for antibiotic stewardship. Sarah, how do hospitals, nursing homes, and other health care institutions start an antibiotic stewardship program? Well, Tamar um, mentioned one of the key critical uh, elements of a stewardship program, and that is to have uh, specific leadership uh, in an acute care hospital, uh, a physician and a pharmacist uh, should be involved in leadership of a stewardship program. 
that may look a little bit different in a nursing home uh, setting uh, because uh, there are different resources in that setting, uh, but it's still uh, advisable to have uh, physician and pharmacist input in that setting, uh, but the bedside nurses uh, and uh, infection preventionists may also um, be critical components of a nursing home stewardship team. Uh, in addition to, to having those content expert leaders, uh, it's also incredibly important for uh, there to be strong institutional support for the antibiotic stewardship program and its mission and goals. Uh, and in general, uh, this should both be intellectual support, where the institution says we believe that all patients should receive antibiotics only when they need them, uh, and the right antibiotic at the right dose for the right duration of time, uh, and financial support. Uh, so stewardship programs need to be supported uh, financially by uh, institutions to really uh, be uh, most successful and really bring about prescribing change in any institution. And I will note um, that uh, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention uh, has a document uh, uh, that addresses uh, core elements of antibiotic stewardship in acute care settings, and a second document that addresses core elements of antibiotic stewardship in nursing homes, uh, and both of these documents have some really nice materials uh, that would assist an organization in starting a stewardship program. That's helpful. Thanks for identifying those resources, Chris. Of course, on the podcast, we're able to cover high points and hopefully uh, get people excited about uh, engaging in stewardship programs. And, and those documents will uh, serve as nice resources for people who really want the nuts and bolts of how to start those programs. Let's now discuss some of the specific issues that the guideline addresses. Uh, Tamar, uh, does the use of uh, pre-authorization and or prospective audit and feedback interventions by antibiotic stewardship programs improve antibiotic utilization and patient outcomes? Uh, definitely. We consider these to be really the cornerstone um, strategies that programs need to implement on some level. Pre-authorization is um, having uh, usually certain drugs uh, that are targeted by the hospital, either based on um, trying to reduce resistance or um, C. difficile, for example. Um, the drugs, before they are actually um, given to the patient, the prescriber, whether that's an appropriate drug. The prospective audit is to actually um, in the, usually in two to three days, uh, look at the use of, of, of drugs and see if um, we could do better, if the patient could be on a more targeted agent, if the patient um, doesn't have to be on antibiotics, et cetera. So the um, principles are really the basic principles of stewardship in many ways. Not every hospital can do both. Um, strategies. Um, so the important thing is to, to pick a way to do these strategies that can be consistent and can be um, sustainable. Um, ideally, you would do both pre-authorization and prospective audit, but um, it's been shown that just doing pre-authorization or just doing prospective audit can still improve antibiotic use and antibiotic outcomes, uh, patient outcomes. 
Sarah, is didactic education something that we've used for years, useful as a part of programs for reducing inappropriate antibiotic use? There's an element of didactics that are important. Um, however, the guideline recommends against relying only on didactic education. Um, our experience has been that often prescribers need to hear uh, concepts many times for them to sink in, uh, and in addition needs uh, to hear those concepts in the context of an actual patient case or a patient scenario, uh, and didactics don't really address either of those needs. Um, you know, it, it, there are, you know, many of us in, in medicine uh, we're almost completely trained using the didactic approach, at least for the uh, beginning of our medical training, uh, and I'm sure that we all remember more from when we were actually taking care of patients, and I, I think that's an important uh, uh, thing to consider in, in really engaging prescribers in antibiotic stewardship. You can't just have a lecture. I think that's important and something that uh, we as medical educators, I, I, I think, have still have trouble believing, but clearly the uh, educational literature supports that, that statement that unidirectional learning is not the most effective way. It's a great way to teach, but not always the best way to learn. Um, should antibiotic stewardship programs develop and implement facility-specific pra uh, clinical practice guidelines for common infectious diseases? Uh, it's very useful for institutions to develop um, their own set of practice guidelines for many reasons. Um, number one, they know what agents they are using at their hospital and which ones they want to recommend. Number two, they know what their current patterns of resistance are um, and know that certain drugs may be less useful at their hospital or more useful than it might be at another institution. It also reinforces some of the um, ideas the steward will want to get across when they are either doing um, a pre-authorization or um, some prospective audit because it's on paper and the explanation is there. And I'd say finally, um, as you can see from our guidelines, guidelines are, are complex and they're not very short. So by having a concise summary of um, a clinical practice guideline, it makes it um, easier to reinforce these ideas with clinicians who are prescribing. That's a great point, and it seems like there really is a theme of taking uh, really comprehensive national recommendations and using them uh, at a local level. Uh, should antibiotic stewardship programs implement interventions to improve antibiotic use and clinical outcomes that target patients with specific uh, infectious diseases? Sarah? Well, those of us who uh, do stewardship on a daily basis really feel like uh, these interventions that we call required pneumonia or best practice and management of intra-abdominal infections, just as a couple of examples, uh, are really uh, much more palatable to uh, prescribers um, than telling prescribers that, you know, this month we're going to try to reduce use of ceftriaxone in the hospital. I think when uh, you think of syndrome-based interventions uh, and the message is really we're trying to 
provide optimal care to patients with certain infectious disease syndromes, um, that, that really gets people's attention and interest. Uh, and um, we have found that uh, these kinds of interventions can really complement uh, the, the baseline work that's being done by a stewardship program. Uh, it allows you to address uh, an area that is of, of particular uh, concern in your own institution uh, and uh, often allows much more uh, prescriber engagement and buy-in into the intervention. I have to imagine that's one of the challenges is that engagement and buy-in that, that uh, everyone faces when uh, coming up with new ideas within uh, an organization that is co as complex as a hospital. Tamar, should antibiotic stewardship programs implement interventions designed uh, that are designed to reduce the use of antibiotics, particularly those associated They definitely should take that into account when they're developing um, their facility-specific guidelines. Uh, C. diff is an increasing um, uh, pub, uh, medical um, serious medical uh, complication of antibiotic use. It was cited by the CDC in their antibiotic resistance uh, report as one of the top three uh, most important risks. Um, there are often alternatives uh, that you can recommend that don't use the highest risk antibiotics. So there isn't specifically different um, interventions for C. diff. You're still developing guidelines, you're still doing um, prospective audit, teaching, et cetera. But to the extent that you can take into account, can I come up with an alternative that's uh, good for my institution, but also is a little less likely to promote C. difficile, then that should be um, a goal that the steward takes into, them, in, into mind. That makes a lot of sense. How about, Sarah, do strategies to encourage prescriber-led review of uh, appropriateness of antibiotic regimens in the absence of direct input from the antibiotic stewardship team have a place, and do they improve antibiotic prescribing? be a goal uh, in any institution uh, to move towards this kind of personal critical review of one's own antibiotic prescribing. Seems like that would encourage some of the things that both of you have talked about earlier, engagement of practitioners as well as ongoing learning separate from didactics. Now let's continue with part two of our program on antibiotic stewardship. Dr. Barlam, should computerized clinical decision support systems integrated into the electronic health record at the time of prescribing be incorporated as a part of the antibiotic stewardship program. There certainly has been a proliferation of different clinical decision support systems. Um, the um, people who have used them have published data that they can be very effective in improving dosing, antibiotic choices, um, things of that sort. But these are often uh, not inexpensive. These are often expensive programs. They have to be maintained. They need uh, time from the um, IT department. And not every site can really do this. So it's, if you can, then it might be beneficial. Um, but it, 
is often something that's difficult for other uh, certain sites to do. Uh, then there are other issues with it, such as alert fatigue. If um, the clinicians and prescribers keep getting the same alerts over time, they may not pay as close attention. But one way that the electronic health record can really help stewardship is if it can provide data on patients that you want to perform interventions on. So if they, it's a good way for uh, the stewardship team to get information on who's on certain antibiotics, who has certain diagnoses. So if you do, as Sarah was talking about, the syndrome-specific stewardship and you want to look at urinary tract infections or urinary tract infections and in people on ceftriaxone, then having a system that can actually provide that data makes the stewardship program's activities more efficient and impactful. That makes a lot of sense. Um, Dr. Cosgrove, in hospitalized patients requiring IV antibiotics, does dedicated pharmacokinetic monitoring and adjustment program lead to improved clinical outcomes and, and perhaps even reduced costs? Well, this is an area for which there's a fair amount of clinical data. Uh, and when we are talking about this kind of monitoring in general, we're speaking of monitoring of vancomycin levels and aminoglycoside levels. Um, these kinds of programs that do this are generally run out of the pharmacy itself and don't necessarily need enormous input from the antibiotic stewardship program. Um, but the, the data do suggest that, that a, a well-run pharmacy-driven uh, program to, to monitor and adjust vancomycin and aminoglycosides uh, can enhance patient outcomes. Uh, how about in, in patients with a reported history of beta-lactam allergies? Should antibiotic stewardship programs facilitate uh, the implementation of allergy assessments uh, with the goal of improved use of first-line antibiotics? Tamar? Uh, allergies can be um, difficult for the patients because they don't always get the first-line agent, such as a penicillin, because of their reported allergy. And many of these allergies that are reported are actually um, either not actual allergies from before or the patient no longer would have that response. So it does very much impact the care of patients. And it, you often are given second-line therapy. You can increase adverse effects, et cetera. But as a primary stewardship intervention, it really hasn't been uh, studied. Allergists in general have been responsible for doing penicillin skin testing um, and at giving advice about desensitization um, protocols, for example. So this is really something mm -hmm. that the stewardship program should vigorously support. They should have, um, if possible, uh, uh, they should work with the allergist at their institution and come up with some strategies. They should keep in mind the options to get patients skin tested to improve um, their therapy by giving them first-line agents if the skin testing is negative. So it's definitely a very important part of antibiotic use, but the stewardship program in this instance should be more of a facilitator than actually, in general, take it on as a primary intervention. That, that makes sense. Uh, Sarah, should antibiotic 
program, stewardship programs implement interventions to increase the use of oral antibiotics? Um, I think the short answer to that is yes, um, that transitions from IV to oral therapy um, have uh, significant value to both the institution and to the patient. Uh, there's two different scenarios to consider. Uh, the first is, uh, historically, that was a, a good cost savings measure in hospitals, although today uh, there's not as many examples uh, of scenarios where the IV formulation is much more expensive than the oral formulation. Uh, there are still some examples, uh, and an individual stewardship program should investigate um, the the value uh, of of putting together uh, an intervention directed at uh, those kind of switches. Uh, the other um, kind of broader consideration is um, can you get a patient off IV antibiotics, and you may end up switching them uh, to uh, a different oral antibiotic and often even a narrower spectrum oral antibiotic. Um, this takes more uh, complex decision-making uh, and, and uh, is kind of a perfect intervention for a stewardship program to be involved with uh, that would have the infectious disease knowledge uh, to assist uh, prescribers in making that transition from IV to oral and hopefully getting a patient out of the hospital faster uh, and also avoiding the need for a pick line or other uh, central venous access upon discharge. Those are really good points, and that actually um, suggests my next question, uh, Dr. Brown. Is there anything that, that you have to add with regard to reducing antibiotic therapy to the shortest effective duration? That's an important thing to consider for the stewardship program. I think our focus in the past has maybe sometimes been more on the choice of the drug, but a significant portion of antibiotic use that's considered inappropriate is because the antibiotics were continued for too long. There is um, data for reducing the duration for several infections, uh, either system, uh, systematic reviews or randomized clinical trials, so there's good data for that. Um, and it can be a very important intervention because the providers are giving the antibiotics that they're comfortable with but you're giving them advice that, okay, you can now stop them. And there is a tendency yeah. to just give two weeks or three weeks. You, you do it in um, proportions of seven Point. days at a time, and that's not necessarily the best. So um, by including duration in your uh, facility guidelines, by specifying duration when you order or when you give recommendations, I think can really – have a significant impact on the days of therapy uh, for the patient and overall for your institution. Should the stewardship programs work with the microbiology laboratories to develop stratified antibiograms, and can you compare that with uh, non-stratified antibiograms? Dr. Cosgrove? So, first, I think it's important to emphasize the uh, importance of an antibiotic stewardship program working in collaboration with the microbiology lab for numerous reasons. Uh, antibiogram development is one of them, uh, but uh, there are so many areas where the um, microbiology uh, department and the antibiotic stewardship 
program um, uh, have common uh, areas of interest and common goals. Uh, and another uh, example uh, would be the use of rapid diagnostic tests in a hospital um, where the lab can perform the tests, but it's really the stewardship program that helps implement and interpret the tests for the prescribers. Um, going back to the issue of the antibiogram, uh, all stewardship programs should be working with the microbiology lab to develop uh, an antibiogram, as uh, antibiograms are one component uh, that in the decision-making process of optimizing empiric therapy in an institution. The question of stratified antibiograms uh, is one uh, that pertains generally to larger institutions uh, where there are enough uh, patients and enough isolates from those patients uh, where you can actually separate out, for example, the antibiogram for an ICU or multiple ICUs from the antibiogram for patients that are on the floor. Uh, and, and mainly this is done just to uh, both uh, look for trends in resistance uh, that are more specific to, to different areas of the hospital and to see if there need to be changes uh, to empiric recommendations um, that need to be different based on where in the hospital the patient is. Um, I will emphasize that an antibiogram is really more of a tool for the antibiotic stewardship program uh, to uh, develop empiric recommendations for antibiotics than it is a tool for daily use by clinical providers uh, because sometimes um, just looking at the antibiogram may lead a, a clinician to say, I want the broadest spectrum antibiotic therapy for all of my patients. Great points, important points. Tamar, should antibiotic stewardship programs advocate for the use of rapid viral testing for respiratory pathogens as one of the means to reduce the use of inappropriate antibiotics? Rapid testing um, for viruses, but we also discuss rapid testing for uh, blood isolates, is really something that has developed since the prior guideline uh, of 2007, and we spent a little bit of time on it because it is an important uh, advance. The respiratory um, viral testing, if the patient has flu influenza, there are studies that have shown that it's decreased um, ancillary testing, um, unnecessary antibiotics, it's increased the use of antivirals. But if the results are negative, in other words, the influenza test is negative, it, it really hasn't shown that. And other studies as well have given somewhat conflicting results. There could be several reasons for that, one of which is it, how rapid is rapid. Does the clinician actually get the result back in um, uh, quickly enough for them to uh, use it in their initial decision-making about treatment and ordering different tests? The stewardship program, if they could be somehow involved in giving those recommendations, that um, has been shown to be helpful for the diagnostic testing on blood cultures. For respiratory pathogens, um, that might be a little bit more difficult because a lot of those patients are seen in the clinic, in the uh, emergency department. Um, they sh should advocate it, but again, um, in terms of um, how much of 
a primary stewardship intervention, it should be, will really depend on how quickly the stewardship program can be involved and, and can give recommendations. So I do think it's, it's, it's a very useful thing, particularly if it's actually rapid. And the stewardship program can teach clinicians how to use those tests, can encourage clinicians to use less antibiotics depending on those tests. Um, but I think there's still some more work that needs to be done about the best role for the antibiotic stewards themselves. Those are great points. And again, we're seeing a theme of the uh, stewardship uh, program really impacting physician education through, uh, in essence, a feedback loop, taking data and feeding it back to physicians and not just uh, single educational programs, uh, as was talked about earlier. Sarah, in adults with, uh, with suspected infections in the ICU, should antibiotic stewardship programs advocate procalcitonin testing as an intervention to decrease antibiotic use? Well, procalcitonin testing um, has been demonstrated in several clinical trials uh, to be useful uh, in the ICU setting in uh, antibiotic uh, de-escalation and, and earlier cessation. Uh, than uh, in patients who don't have procalcitonin-guided uh, therapy. Um, but in general, the fairly complicated algorithms are used in those clinical trials to, to guide the clinician. Uh, and so I think that procalcitonin, like rapid diagnostic testing, is um, a, a test that can be useful uh, when implemented uh, with uh, antibiotic stewardship involvement. Um, and so in making a decision about what rapid diagnostic tests you may use in the micro lab or what, uh, whether you'll use procalcitonin or other emerging biomarkers to guide antibiotic therapy, comes down to priorities of the antibiotic stewardship program. Uh, if, if an institution has great uptake in really kind of following the algorithms that uh, um, for uh, interpreting procalcitonin testing, and that has led to clinicians being willing to stop antibiotics earlier, then that's fantastic um, and, and, you know, very valuable to that institution. Uh, but it's difficult to make a blanket recommendation about what, what the best types of, of rapid diagnostics uh, are, are best for any individual institution. Okay, that, that, that's helpful and puts that in important perspective. For our last question, Dr. Barlam, which overall measures best reflect the impact of antibiotic stewardship programs and their interventions? It's very important for a stewardship program to track their results. Um, the support for the program from administration uh, wants to see hard data. The uh, stewardship program can better identify where they need to put more effort by actually measuring antibiotic use. So really there has to be some form of monitoring of antibiotic use um, by the stewardship program. Now the way that um, seems best and is most widely recommended is what's called days of therapy or DOTs. Um, but you need patient-level antibiotic use data for that measure, um, the, and not every institution uh, has that. 
um, but it can be used in pediatrics. Um, it isn't affected by changes in dose because the patient develops renal failure. Um, the alternative is something called defined daily dosing, or DDDs, and if that is um, something that is more feasible for the institution, it's still very useful to measure those DDDs. In addition, um, you should, um, if, if you're doing specific interventions, it's important to have a ba baseline data um, and then see the impact of your intervention to know if it worked um, and uh, if it was effective or if there are other things that you need to try. Without actually measuring, it, it would be hard to, to judge that. Um, most programs also have some measurement of cost because stewardship programs through more appropriate use usually are cost-saving programs or um, costs that would have been anticipated without a stewardship program um, are um, much less when there is a stewardship program. Many studies show that if you stop a stewardship program because you think you've solved your problem, um, as soon as the program stops, there's increased use and increased expense. Mm. So that's often something that um, programs will measure as well. But in terms of the primary overall measure, I would say um, it would be some uh, days of therapy or DOTs. So I really have covered a lot of ground where you talked about the importance of local implementation of uh, antibiotic stewardship programs based on national recommendations. We talked about uh, some of the challenges and the importance of uh, clinician engagement with uh, the goals of the stewardship program. We talked about uh, education as not being a single didactic uh, sort of lecture, but rather an ongoing feedback loop. And we talked just now about uh, follow-up and evaluation of the, the uh, program. Dr. Barlam, Dr. Cosgrove, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. For the Infectious Disease Society of America, I am Dr. Neil Skolnick, and thank you for listening.